Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Deputy Personal Finance Editor Kate Bealey and joining me in the studio today are Personal Finance Editor Leonora Walters, Personal Finance Writer Emma Adjaman and we've also got Abraham Okusanya, Chartered Financial Planner and Ambassador for the Personal Finance Society. So today we're going to be discussing the fact that TD Direct is no longer processing script dividends. I'm going to talk a bit about the importance of dividend reinvestment. And we're also going to be looking at change to the fee structure of Finsbury Growth and Income Trust and talk through how IC Top 100 Fund City of London has been coping with Brexit. Uh, So first to that, Emma, you've been having a look at this, haven't you? So tell me a bit about this trust. What's it designed to do? This trust is designed to, to provide growth and income and capital. And its manager takes a quite conservative, value-driven approach with the main focus being on dividend yield. Okay, so what's the performance been like over the long term? Performance has been good. Over the, in, in, This trust became the first trust ever to produce 50 years consecutive dividend growth um, in earlier this year. And over the three and five years, it's beaten the FTSE All Share Index, its benchmark. So over five years, it returned 82% compared to the FTSE 65%. So good performance. Okay, so that's long term. And what about how it's fared more recently? More recently, it hasn't um, been so good. It failed to to beat the index and only managed um, 10% over the last year compared to a return of 14% by the FTSE All Share. So um, yeah, it's a, a little bit. bit. Lag. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so what's behind that then? Well, when I met the manager, Jabe Curtis, he said the main reasons were due to the trust's underweight position in the oil and gas sector um, and its exposure to some some house builders. And so the underweight position in oil meant that the trust failed to, it sort of missed out on the oil price rally that's you know been taking place over the last few months. And in particular, following Brexit, um, some of its holdings in Taylor Wimpy and Persimmon, which are both you know big um, UK house builders, that took a big hit um, immediately after the Brexit vote. And so that hurt the trust performance as well. So why is he negative on, on oil and gas? Why, why does he not hold those? Um, he thinks that, you know, the, there's been so much sort of cost cutting in, in, the, in the sector and um, there's still sort of problems of it, you know. I mean, he does hold some, some holdings. He's got BP and Shell. Um, which are, which he recognises are both you know high yielding stocks and there's sort of question marks over um, whether I'm not going to keep up that that yield. But other other than that, he's quite um, you know sort of cautious on the sector. He doesn't want to hold too much. Okay, and so you mentioned Brexit there. How was the portfolio positioned going into Brexit? Um, I mean, he said that you know he had he was he wasn't particularly he was surprised by the vote as not the um, only one yeah, yeah. <laughs> many fund managers and other people um, were but he said that actually when he woke up in the morning of twenty fourth of June um, he found the trust to be very well positioned for Brexit because it's got a, a big overseas exposure um, it's a it, you know it's it's concentrating in large cap companies sixty sixty eight percent in FTSE one hundred companies. And that's benefited from the fact that the pound has fallen and so um, overseas earnings of, of, you know, compared to, the, to sterling have been stronger, which has, um, which has benefited the trust. OK. And so you mentioned, I think, uh, the kind of risk of, of dividend cuts, particularly among the big, some of those big FTSE stocks. And we've been hearing about that a lot. It's, um, it's quite an interesting area, isn't it? I mean, where is he most worried about, about the potential dividend cuts? 
Um, well, as I said, oil and gas, that's one of the reasons why he's he's underweight. And I mean, he said that, you know, he was aware that maybe BP or Shell might have to cut their dividend. I mean, he said that, um, you know, the, the fact they're both now currently yielding over 7%, if they, even if they cut them by half, it would still be 3.5%. So it's so still a good income. He, he's, he's thinking it could be, but he would need to reevaluate that, you know, if and when it happened. Um, so that's one area. And he's also been reduced in some of the holdings he has in pharmaceuticals, particularly GlaxoSmithKline and AstraZeneca, as he's worried that the dividends there don't appear to be that well covered. Okay, that's interesting. So what's he adding to? Um, he's actually been adding auto-related stocks because he thinks, you know, taking advantage of the low, low oil price and low interest rates, both of which he thinks are you know, going to be beneficial to drivers. Um, so, I mean, the trust has about 10% over, um, actually in in stocks that are um, overseas. So one of them is that he's added recently is a German engineering company called Daimler. Um and that's also related stock. And the other kind of couple of UK retailers that he's added recently are Pendragon and Inchcape. Okay. Um, so we talked a bit about his kind of concerns for these companies' dividends. How well covered is the trust's own dividend? Um, I would say it's you know pretty well covered. I mean, they added 8% to the trust reserves in the last year. Um, and currently um, the dividend is 85% covered by the reserve. So, yeah, okay. strong coverage there. Good, so pretty good. And um, so for more about that, have a look at this week's magazine. And now we're going to move on to the news that other top uh, IC Top 100 fund, Finsbury Growth and Income, is introducing a tiered fee structure, which could potentially um, affect its ongoing charge. Um, Leonora, tell us a bit about this fund and how's it been performing? Okay, right. Finsbury um, Growth and Income is a UK equity income investment trust run by um, a very successful and well-regarded fund manager called Nick Train. And its performance is absolutely excellent. It's one of the top performers in the AIC UK equity income sector over one, three and five years and well ahead of the FTSE All Show over those periods as well. Okay, so what exactly is this fee change and why is it happening? Right, well, Finsbury Growth and Income is introducing what is known as a tiered fee. Now, the way this will work is that when Finsbury Growth and Income's adjusted market cap reaches $1 um, its administrator, Frostrose fee, will be 0.5% of the adjusted market cap a year up to $1 billion and 0.135% of adjusted market cap of the amount over $1 billion. And its manager, Linsell Train's annual fee will be 0.45% of the market cap up to a value of $1 billion and 0.405% of the amount over that level. So basically what happens is um, as the trust gets larger, um, the amount of assets at the higher end have a lower level of charges so investors benefit from the growth of a fund. So it's an economy of scale thing? Yes it is. Okay so Abraham what, why does this happen? Why do costs come down when trusts get larger? Well I, th- I think it comes back to, to the point about economy of scale. So you've got um, a situation where you, you know say you're on a billion pounds and the, the value of the asset go- grows to two billion you don't necessarily double the cost so the, the, the cost of running a two billion pound is, isn't um, twice that of running a one billion pound 
Development Fund, and 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 so this is a way for um, the the manager to the, the trust to to pass that 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 efficiency savings, if you like, to um, to the investors. Okay, and I guess the the big question for investors um, is whether or not this will affect the ongoing charge. So, Leonora, what's the answer to that? Um, yes, it will. If um, Finsbury Growth and Income's market cap keeps growing, um, and it's likely that its market cap will grow further because this investment trust regularly issues shares. Okay, and, and what's the ongoing charge right now? It's currently 0.78%. Okay, I mean, that sounds reasonable. How does that compare to other trusts? Um, it, it's pretty good, actually. I mean, it's not the cheapest, but it's in the lower half of the uh, UK equity income sector. And when you consider the absolutely excellent performance of this investment trust, largely the best in the sector, it's very, very reasonable. Okay, and how common is this tiered fee structure? Among investment trusts, it's fairly common. Um, there quite a few um, trusts have that. Um other examples in the AIC UK equity income sector include City of London Investment Trust, which we've just been speaking about, Perpetual Income and Growth Investment Trust, which is run by Mark Barnett, well-regarded manager, Troy Income and Growth and Murray Income Trust. And um, looking in other sectors, um, some reasonably well-known uh, trusts that have it are Bailey Gifford Shin Nippon and Bailey Gifford Japan Trust. Okay. Um, Abraham, what do you think of this structure? Do you think it's a, it's a good way of charging? I, I, th- I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. Um, I, I would have wanted to see the top tier, um, you know, cut down a little bit more. But, but I think overall is, is the step, is a step in the right direction. Um, the, the danger is that, um, investors and in some cases professionals who look at funds get confused by, by the different levels or different tiers that you It certainly got. does sound quite confusing. Does, yeah. <laughs> okay. But do you, do you think that's the fairest way of charging for investment trusts? Um, I, I, I think I, I would prefer, um, a sim- single layer of, of charge, um, that, that is simple for investors to to understand and as the the size of the fund grow uh the this the fund grows bigger um that that the the standard charge is reduced across board um that that would be in my view the um the the simple and and most effective way to to do that okay um now leonora when you're looking at these trusts do they normally have comparable open-ended funds and is one normally cheaper than the other? Um, well, some do and some don't. Um, there are cases of where you get um, an investment trust run by a fund management house that also has open-ended funds run by the same managers. And I mean, there's probably too many to name here, but in this article, I mentioned um, Bailey Gifford Shin Nippon and Bailey Gifford Japan Trust, um, and they do have similar open-ended funds. Bailey Gifford Japanese smaller companies with an ongoing charge of 0.63%, and Bailey Gifford Japanese with an ongoing charge of 0.68%. Now, in this case, the um, open-ended funds have much lower charges than the investment trusts. 
And on average, open-ended funds such as unit trusts and open-ended investment companies are cheaper than investment trusts. There's a number of reasons for this. Um, and um, I won't go into them all here, but one is the fact that a number of investment trusts have performance fees and performance fees are virtually unheard of among open-ended funds outside the targeted absolute return sector. Um, but the point is, there is no hard and fast rule or regular pattern. So you can't just assume something by looking at the structure. You need to look at every fund and every trust on an individual basis. And the fact remains that some individual investment trusts have very low, low ongoing charges. And high profile examples of good performance records include... City of London Investment Trust, which has an 0.42% ongoing charge, and Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, which has an 0.45% ongoing charge. Okay, and in fact, I think we'll come back to the City of London and performance fees in a minute. But Abraham, what, what do you think about that comparison between unit trust fees and investment trust fees? Could you kind of generalise about, you know, how fairly structured unit trusts well, you, you tend to, with, with Unitrust, you tend to have, um, you know, a, a single layer of costs. So the, the ongoing fee or the, the it t- tends to be um, the common or the standard approach. Um, you get more, uh, you get less examples of um, performance fee in the in the Unitrust sector. Uh, uh, um, when you look at investment trust, um, it's, um, it's far more complicated in the sense that you get the standard um, ongoing fee and then there are performance fees um, over and above that. Okay, so let's talk about that performance fee debate. Um, I think the City of London has cut its performance fee in recent years and um, proponents of fees say that they benefit shareholders because they give uh, incentives to managers to do well. Critics say they make trusts more complicated, more expensive um, than their open-ended kind of peers. Abraham, what, what do you think of performance fees? Good idea, bad idea? I'm not, I'm not a huge fan, you know, and I don't buy the incentive argument. I think if you, if you go back to this, the premise of active management the premise is that you outperform you outperform the market and so and i think that um the the the, the there is um a lot of incentive built into the standard ongoing fee the, the normal ongoing fee um i don't think that you need additional in- incentive um when you do your job which is to outperform think about it we don't pay doctors a bit more for saving lives right <laughs> um so um and i think that you've got this situation um to to my mind from from an investor's point of view of um ads they win tails you lose in the sense that there are instances where um, uh, managers are rewarded for losing less than the, their benchmark. I, I think it's just um, I, I think it's just fraught, um, really. With um, and on levels the, the the playing field from from an investor's point of view mm. in terms of to, to trying to to compare funds. And and there's another layer to this, isn't there? Because trusts use benchmarks to. Um you know, assess whether or not they they are kind of deserving of a performance fee. Um, I mean, how many trusts do you think are using benchmarks which are maybe not representative of their investment horizon? Far far too many. Um, You get these instances where the the benchmark is not readily clear to to the investor and you have to dig into um, layers of documents to try and identify what the the benchmark is. You get instances where, um, you know, there there was a particular, there's a particular instance where um, LIBOR is being used as the benchmark for for the performance fees um, for for an equity equity based fund. Uh, um, 
far, far too many instances, and I think that um, perhaps the regulator should should look at these things. Okay, yeah, and Leonora, what do you think about the appropriateness of of the benchmarks used by most trusts? Well, I don't have any numbers of um, trusts using inappropriate benchmarks, and obviously that would be, um, let's say, a subjective decision on whether you think it's using something appropriate or not. But the fact is, there are investment trusts out there using benchmarks that don't seem to reflect their um, underlying portfolios. Now, I'm going to pull up two examples here. Jupiter European Opportunities Trust, it's got an excellent performance record. I'm not denying that. It's got a great manager. It's a great trust. But um, its benchmark is FTSE World Europe X UK Index. 27.2% of this trust's assets are in the UK. So I don't think that's a very appropriate benchmark to measure a performance fee against. And it does have quite a hefty performance fee, which is the reason why we dropped it from the IC Top 100 funds. It was a bit of a shame to do it because the performance is excellent. Um, but I feel, you know, it was so high, it couldn't be justified. And investors can also access its excellent manager, Alex Darwell, via his open-ended fund, Jupiter European Fund for an ongoing charge of 1.03%, which is considerably less than the investment trust's 1.88% ongoing charge, which I think is based on a questionable benchmark. Um, Another example I'll pull out is um, Bankers Investment Trust. This is a a global investment trust, um, but it has has its benchmark for FTSE All Share. Um, 30% of this trust's assets are List in the UK and 70% outside. So I don't think having the FTSE All Share as its benchmark is very good practice. What I will say here is that this trust doesn't have a performance fee and it does have a very reasonable ongoing charge of 0.53%. So perhaps less of an issue, but uh, maybe not very transparent. I don't know. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, it's an ongoing debate and then one which I'm sure that we'll come back to. Um, but finally, we are going to take a look at scripts and drips and we're talking here about dividend reinvestment. So we have recently from a reader who has been using TD Direct and he has been forced, he has been forced to give up script dividends because the broker's no longer processing them. So he's now going to be forced to use the broker's drip scheme instead. And that's where the broker automatically reinvests dividends as cash instead of processing them as shares. Um, now, Abraham, why is it a good idea to reinvest dividends? Go back to the to the start of this issue. I think it goes back to the, um, if you like, the, the simple power of of compounding um, by putting your um, dividends back into the into the trust or, or to to buy more shares. Um, you you give your money a, a, a chance to 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 grow in the longer term. Okay, and so what is what is a drip? And how's it differ to just either taking your dividends or manually reinvesting them? So a a drip is rather than getting um, cash dividends, um, that dividends is used to buy um, shares back um, for for you in the in the open market, and so um, you 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 get a chance to to reinvest your money back automatically that way. Yeah, and and what about scripts? Then? <laughs> right. So scripts is when um, the the company issues new shares or the trust issues new shares. Um, so rather than buying them from 
from the from the market, they, they issue new shares in lieu of, of cash dividends. And there are benefits, aren't there, to investors to receiving dividends as scripts in terms of, you know, you don't get charged trading fees. Correct. And tax benefits too? Well, um, the, for, for income tax purposes, they're sort of treated the same way. You might um, get a little bit of tax incentive in the sense that you don't pay um, stamp duty on script. Yeah, okay. Uh, Why do you think it's increasingly less common for brokers to actually process scripts? I think in many cases, um, the, the brokers run on very dated IT and and so the administrative cost of, of managing these things, um, of, of dealing with um, each individual trust and, 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 um, and um, companies um, become quite complicated for them. Um, in many instances, they have their own services that they want to try and promote, which um, charges a bit more. Um, so um, they sort of... Um, push investors that way. Yeah, um, because we should say that not all brokers, you know, will let you automatically reinvest dividends, will they? And they do charge uh, for these, for drips. I mean, what do you think of the kind of general level that brokers charge for these schemes? Do you think they're reasonable? Um, I, I think fees could com- come down a, a, a little bit. Um, but but overall, you know, if you're asking if, if they're a total rip-off, um, I, I don't think so. Obviously, um, in many cases, the fees are fixed. So for smaller investors where the dividends might be um, not, not a huge amount, um, the, the cost may well have a, a disproportional effect on, 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 the, on the fund. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons... Um, or one of the answers to this question. But, I mean, are there reasons where it might be better to to not opt for automatic dividend reinvestment and to actually manually reinvest your dividends as and when you see fit? Well, I think if you have um, large holdings in a particular share, share or if you have large holdings in a, in a particular trust and you want a bit of diversification, um, obviously you, you want to um, receive the dividends um, and, and reinvest it manually in other things. Um, if you um, if the costs are um, too high um, to, 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 to have the automatic reinvestment, again, you, you want to do it manually. Okay, so it's definitely, you know, not something to just assume that you should do and it involves a bit of thought. Um, And is the situation different then or the treatment different for shares, for trusts and funds when it comes to the way that you can reinvest dividends by brokers? Um, the the basic principles are, are, are the same. Obviously, with funds, um, uh, by this I mean um, unit trusts and and um, OICs, open ended investment companies. Um, you you have um, a, a, a structure where the the fund actually issues um, accumulation accumulation share classes, um, and so your your dividends are reinvested automatically that way. Um, but, but overall. The, the, the principle are, are broadly the same. Okay, yeah, so I think the, the take-home here then is make sure you know what you're holding, make sure you know what your broker will let you do and make sure you know how much it will cost. Um, well, that's all we've got time for this week. So it just remains for me to thank Leonora, Emma and Abraham. If you want to read more about reinvesting dividends, about performance fee disputes and debates and about City of London and Finsbury growth and income, pick up this week's magazine. Otherwise, have a good weekend. 
Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? <sighs> get Pet Essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply.